2: Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America, on air and online at theticketfm.com. Brought to you by Mary Ellen's Food for the Soul. This is On the Block with Stricken Austin.
3: We are back. Hour two of the show comes to you live from the northwest corner of 11th and O Streets, 1040 O Street, the specific. Address if you're looking for it for Friday. If you're in town and you want to come by, we will have our normal pregame show ahead of Iowa and Nebraska. 11 o'clock kicks. So that means pregame starts bright and early, 8 o'clock in the morning. Early break on Friday into pregame. That's right. Jake Sip, Coach Bill Bush will be with you. And then we'll do our normal three hours of pregame. And then also. We'll have some volleyball coverage after the the regular post game show. Right, Jay and Nick will do their thing. Uh, Bach and I will be on for a little while. While after that, volleyball post game, Nebraska and Wisconsin to end the regular season. That'll be on uh, Friday as well, um, or one of the last games of the regular season. Rico, our volleyball guy, would know. I, I think it's the final game. Don't quote me on that. I'd have to. Double check with Rico there, but we will have some some volleyball coverage for you as well. Big shout out to Husker volleyball as they clinch the Big Ten, still with a couple games to play in the regular season. Uh, Huskers still undefeated. They win the Big Ten uh, conference championship last night. They do it at Iowa. How sweet it is to beat the Hawkeyes on the road. Wrap up the Big Ten title officially. So big congrats to John Cook and that team for for that honor. Big shout-out to Nebraska soccer as well. They are on to the Elite Eight. They win their first three games in the tournament here at home. So big shout-out to Nebraska soccer going on to the Elite Eight. And, of course, the men's basketball win. Strick and I will get into that just a little bit here uh, before we give you a a look at um, the uh, college football landscape. Jordan Travis being injured for Florida State. What does that mean for the, the Seminoles' playoff chances? Do you jump them? Uh, with uh, Washington. I think Washington should have been ahead of Florida State given the head-to-head anyways, but we'll get into that. Also, a uh, big shout-out to the text line. You guys are on it. You're on me. It is Minnesota after Wisconsin. So Wisconsin Friday must be then Minnesota after that. So, okay, now the final game of the regular season. Appreciate you, text line, for for being on it. Let's go to the VIP line brought to you by Aloe and see if we have the Husker Hall of Famer. Stricky is not there. Okay. Never mind. Looks like it's just me. So, um, let's turn the page now to Nebraska men's basketball. Their win over Oregon State. The Huskers get it done. Final score of 84 to 63. Slow start for Nebraska. They start the game off down 6 to nothing. Jordan Pope was the one guy that everyone thought could beat you and he did his best. Right? He went off. He goes 8 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 5 from three, perfect at the free throw line, 6 of 6. On his way to 25 points, Jordan Pope was awesome in that game for Oregon State. Nebraska's perimeter defense, uh, no one they put on him really did anything to be able to slow Jordan Pope down. So he goes off for 25 points. But other than that, not much doing. Uh, Bladeau for them, also uh, the big man played 33 out of the 40 possible minutes, had 15 points and seven boards. Perfect 7-7 of at the free throw line. But after that 6-0 run, you could see Nebraska, you know, get on the board, loosen up a little bit in front of a wildly, vastly pro-Nebraska crowd. And then once Nebraska got on track, it was off to the races. Nebraska had a 30 to 5 run at one point there in the in the first half to, to really take control of that game. After starting off, like I said, down six to nothing, Nebraska ends up winning the first half with the final score of 44 to 24. So huge statement made by the Huskers in the first half up 20 at halftime. They would push the lead into the, the low to mid thirties. I think it got as big as 35 at one point. And Fred Hoiberg, when he spoke to the media, um, I think this would have been today when he said this, not after the game said, "We, we started trading buckets with Oregon state. We didn't stay locked in and locked down on the defensive end. Um, And they let that lead get down to 20, but Nebraska does, of course, end up winning that game. 84-63, the final score for Nebraska. 40-39 second half, so not nearly as dominant for the Big Red. But the first taste Nebraska had of a Power 5 opponent, I think Nebraska handled it very well. Again, they found a way to overcome the slow start at the beginning of the game, and to, to have a 20-point a advantage at halftime, the the Pentagon was rocking. It was going absolutely nuts. It was a game that I, I wish it could have gone to. Um, I was up there for Nebraska's win over Oklahoma State in that building. I think five years ago it would have been. Um, but we welcome back in the Husker Hall of Famer, Eric Strickland, with us here. Strick, we're talking about Nebraska and Oregon State on the basketball front. 84-63, um, to 63, the Huskers win. Bryce Williams looked really good for Nebraska. Juwan Gary did his thing. Rink Mast was doing Rink Mast things. After that shaky start, down six to nothing, Nebraska really stepped it up and controlled that game. Oregon State's not a great power five team, but what were your thoughts on the Huskers and Badgers on Saturday?
1: Well, I mean, that. Maybe there we go. Oh well,
2: we go. well.
3: maybe not. not. I'll just take over. Go. We'll 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 see what we can get done. Stricky is is trying. He's at home. We don't know exactly what the issue is. We will keep efforting that. Um, maybe see if we can have Bach give give Strick a call here. Stricky, we tried. We appreciate it. Um, we'll see what we can get done. See if we bring him back. If not, we'll just talk to Strick tomorrow. But again. Uh, for Nebraska, a very balanced effort overall. I mean, you're led by Bryce Williams, who has 25 points. He goes 9 of 17 from the floor and 3 of 7 from 3. Mast not his most efficient day from the floor. He has 15 points on 5 of 12, but 5 of 6 at the free throw line and was a monster on the offensive board. 7 rebounds on defense, 6 of them on offense to add up to 13. So another double-double for Rink Mast who continues to prove his value to this Nebraska men's basketball team. And then off the bench, Juwan Gary plays 21 minutes, um, scores 12 points. He goes 5 of 10 from the floor, only hits one of his three-pointers. It was the spot-up attempt. It was the one that looked the best for Juwan Gary. He knocked it down. But again, it was the rebounding. Juwan Gary, a double-double off the bench. 12 points and 10 rebounds. Six of those rebounds on defense, four of them on offense. It seems like... Nebraska is going to roll with this rotation where you have the two guards and Tamanaga and Lawrence starting with Bryce Williams on the wing. Josiah Alec is a, a wing and interior type of player. And then Rink Mass really manning the middle. I don't know how much Nebraska will play Josiah Alec um, as the lone big man as the season continues. I think he's proven that he is capable of doing it. I like the look that it gives Nebraska, um, but against some of these teams that are a little bit bigger than Oregon State was, even against a Creighton, maybe there's some room for Josiah Alec to play there. But I say that that's the starting lineup with Juwan Gary coming off the bench because Bryce Williams is an adequate defender, maybe not a lockdown style guy, but what he does give you is that silky smooth scoring. Had some really nice, Uh, Takes of his own. Again, hit a spot up three-pointers, three of seven. That's 42.8%, 42.6% if my math is right, somewhere in there. Um, Hit the easy ones, the ones that were available to him like he was supposed to. Had a nice dunk on a back cut. But the energy that Jawan Gary brings off the bench. Just think about the the amount of pestering that can go on between Jawan Gary and Sam Hoiberg on the defensive end of the floor, and you bring those guys off the bench. Marcus Lawrence isn't a bad defender. Casey Tomanaga tries. He's a willing defender. He's just not, not the biggest guy, so teams can take advantage of him a little bit on the defensive end. Bryce Williams a good positional defender. Josiah Alec um, can slide, I think, one through five, at least capably. You definitely prefer to have him matched up on someone a little bit bigger so Josiah Alec can use his athleticism and quickness advantage as opposed to trying to use his his strength and length against guards. Again, I think... Uh, Pope was a good example of that. But then even Rink Mask, Nebraska still lacks a true interior presence at the rim on defense. Blaze Cata, you know, brought in from the Juco ranks. People thought he was going to be that at a chiseled, you know, 6'11. But Blaze Cata's a charge taker. He hasn't exactly, you know, locked the rim down. A good positional defender, but not a, not a denier, not an enforcer in the middle. Jawan Gary, I think, gives you some of that. Even though he's playing a lot of uh, small forward, maybe even some power forward in some lineups, Jawan Gary might be one of Nebraska's best rim protectors. I think there's some of that in Josiah Alec. Rink-Mass is going to be on time in his rotations and be in the way. But I think in terms of blocked shots, Jawan Gary's the way to go. I think he's got enough vertical pop. I think he's a, a smart enough defender as well that... Being able to bring his smarts and energy off the bench with Sam Hoiberg, we know all about his instincts and the way that he can change a game with his perimeter defense. Being able to bring those two guys off the bench is a great luxury for Nebraska, which defends fine without them, but can crank it up a notch with them on the floor. You look at C.J. Wilcher. He, to me, still... For
0: the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.
3: is a key piece of this Nebraska team. Only played 13 minutes, took two shots. Both of them were threes. He hit one of them, um, had an assist. So three points and an assist in 13 minutes, the final line for C.J. Wilcher. I love his role on this team as the glue guy. I wasn't sure he would go back to the bench uh, after Kasei Tominaga returned. I wondered if Demarcus Lawrence might make that move. But Demarcus Lawrence has handled point guard, well, point guard duties much better over the last couple games, sending C.J. Wilcher. To the bench, CJ's going to play quite a bit of two, maybe some three, and a super small ball four potentially. But he's steady. He makes the right play more often than not. He's got a little off the bounce uh, pop and juice. He saw a nice spin move a couple times already this season from CJ Wilcher as he uh, drives to the rim. We know he's a capable shooter. Still waiting for that elite season from CJ Wilcher where he's up in the you know low to mid forties instead of just trying to crack forty. But that might be in C.J. Wilcher, especially if the looks he's getting are simplified, easier, and more consistent, really. I think uh, with Jamarcus Lawrence learning on the fly how to play point guard, that's going to help C.J. Wilcher. Kese Tominaga is still going to draw a lot of eyeballs. There should be spot-up opportunities for Wilcher, And the passing of Josiah Alec and Rank Mast out of the post. Wherever those guys are on the floor— they're able to find a guard spotted up or coming off a screen and set a good screen. Josiah Alec can definitely freeze D.J. Wildrup. Mast can draw a couple bodies down in the post on that drive from the elbow uh, to the rim and then hit the kick out. He can hit it on the short roll too. We've seen that where teams will uh, blitz Nebraska's ball handlers, leaving a numbers advantage uh, for the Huskers on the offensive end. Usually that's three on two. Every so often it's four on three, but if it's Rinkmast or Josiah Alec with the ball and they catch it, you know, free throw line extended and can get downhill, those guys have played enough basketball and they're good enough passers that they won't get tunnel vision. They'll be able to see the kickouts to the weak side, or if the defense has already rotated over and it's the strong side guy trying to to take them, they're good enough passers. They can make that kind of shovel strong side pass for a three that benefits a guy like C.J. Wilcher who is at his best when his feet are set. He can come off screens here and there, but the most consistent C.J. Wilcher, as it is for most players, is the C.J. Wilcher with his feet set. So I think Nebraska has a lot of ways to look for C.J. Wilcher as um, kind of a release valve, as a safety guy. I would compare it to the running back out in the flat that Nebraska football doesn't use much at all, is that, no, he's probably not your primary option, but you could do a lot worse than kicking the ball to C.J. Wilcher spotted up on the corner or filling up to the wing. The other guy that I think bears some mention is Jeron Coleman, who I think pretty clearly slots in as the backup point guard right now, even though he's a little bigger than Jamarcus Lawrence. Boogie Coleman uh, played 15 minutes, was all in Sioux Falls, only scored one point, went one to two at the free throw line, but he had three assists, pulled down a couple rebounds as well. Jeron Coleman, I think, can be... Let me explain this first. The difference between an X-Factor and a glue guy. C.J. Wiltshire as a glue guy is one that just ties the team together. He can fill multiple roles, keep guys engaged, make the next, next right play, keep the game moving along. And X-Factor is one that you're not exactly sure what you're going to get night to night for whatever reason. If they're off, you need someone else to step up. But if they're on, he can cover for a starter, not being up to par. Jerron Coleman, for me, slides a little bit more in that X-Factor Role. I think there are going to be games that he'll have the ball in his hands a lot. Whether it's DeMarcus Lawrence in foul trouble, Casey um, being hounded, there's going to be a role for Jeron Coleman. There wasn't necessarily against Oregon State; he was fine. He didn't do anything wrong, right? I still think that's a really good player. There's a reason he played the minutes he did at Missouri. Um, got the the MAC honors that he did at Ball State. Jeron Coleman's a baller. Dude can play. I think there's just a little more volatility in his game than there is with C.J. Wilchers. So just look for that as the season moves on. Look for uh, Jeron Coleman to to make an impact in some games, but maybe fade to the background in some others. Let us know your thoughts on the basketball game, 402-464-5685 here, uh, the number if you have any thoughts on Nebraska-Wisconsin football or uh, Nebraska-Oregon State Men's basketball, 84-63. Women's basketball does fall to Creighton yesterday. Um, Creighton was never really able to pull away. Nebraska kept it close, just wasn't able to to get that final push all the way over the hump. So, uh, tough loss for Amy Williams and and her squad against Creighton. Nick and I mentioned it. The men will take on the Blue Jays on December the 3rd. Brad on the text line asks, where's Lloyd? I assume you mean Rommel Lloyd Jr. Great question. At the beginning of the year, it seemed like uh, there's a knee injury that was holding him out that he needed to work through. Uh, He's still listed as day-to-day, I think was the last report on Ramel Lloyd Jr. Fascinating piece for this team. If you, you listen to Lloyds and Lincoln here, that's the um, 11 to noon show on Sundays with uh, Mel Jr. and Rock, his dad. What Rock has said and Ramel really bought into as a kid was even though he was tall, even though he was lanky and long, most places, most coaches would have either stuck him under the basket to take advantage of, you know, easy putbacks, just throwing the ball off the glass till it went in, or, or even on the wing, as long and lanky as he is. But Mel has point guard skills. He wants to handle the ball. He's a good passer, he's a willing passer, sometimes almost too unselfish his dad has said and even him. Romel Lloyd Jr. provides an element to this team where I think he's a good mix of Jeron Coleman and Bryce Williams. That's kind of what I envision Rommel Lloyd Jr. as right now. Again, having played at Sierra Canyon with all the talent that he did out in California, Romel Lloyd Jr. doesn't need to be a star, but that doesn't mean when he's healthy that Fred Hoyberg shouldn't unleash him. The skill set is tantalizing. Um, you know, can always, you know, learn to grow more as a shooter and get more consistent from long range. But the length on, on defense, obviously, we know how length impacts what teams want to do. But even on offense, to have long arms, to be tall, you can get passes at different angles than shorter point guards. I like his handle. I like his ability to rebound and run, um, athletic, even in traffic. So no Lloyd Jr. as of yet. I, I don't think he makes his debut on Wednesday But I really hope that we do get to see Ramel Lloyd Jr. unleash this season for Nebraska men's basketball. Again, I really like the skill set. And one of my buddies pointed this out. I hadn't really thought about it, but he brings up a couple of really good examples for what happens for players when they sit out a year under Fred Hoiberg. Two of the best examples of that are Derek Walker and Delano Banton. Both of those guys transfer in Delano Banton from Western Kentucky. Derek Walker, don't forget, did transfer into Nebraska. He came from Tennessee. Both of those guys had to, to sit. They weren't immediately eligible. So what did they do? They got in the lab. They got skill development. And look how good both those guys were. Delano Banton, I think Rommel Lloyd's a little more athletic than a junior is a little more athletic than I think he's a little, um, little bit better of a shooter more consistently than Delano Banton. But what Banton did was he always made the right pass, always made the right play, and was a solid rebounder. Good positional rebounder. So if I'm Fred Hoiberg, I don't know if I would compare Rommel Lloyd Jr. and Delano Banton one-to-one. I think there's a lot of good, though, that can be taken away from how Delano Banton you know, learned and what he became for that Nebraska basketball team. But the point of, of bringing those two guys up is that players that have sat out a year under Fred Hoiberg's watch at Nebraska have gone on to be pretty good. Delano Banton got picked in the second round of the NBA draft, and I don't need to tell you listeners just how important Derek Walker was to last year's team. Made it work even without a traditional center game. Made it work against Creighton. Made it work against Purdue. Did a lot of unique things that were tough to guard. So, Ramel Lloyd Jr., with a year of work under this coaching staff, on top of his natural talent and the work ethic that he has, I'm excited to see. I hope we see the best of Ramel Lloyd Jr., or at least the start of Rommel Lloyd Jr., and um, the best of what he can offer in his first college action and real extended college action, hopefully in December. But if not, you can always, always, always use more depth in February. If it takes him that long to crack the rotation till late January and early February, that's when teams are, are gassed. They're bored. They're in the middle of the season. It's a slog. They need a burst of energy. If it takes that long for a Lloyd Jr. To, to make an impact, that's fine. Nebraska has shown that it, it doesn't necessarily need him, but I think the team would greatly benefit from what Ramel Lloyd Jr. can bring to the table. Again, sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, no Eric Strickland. We tried a few times. We'll you know, keep trying to resolve those. Uh, for the next time Stricky has to stream in. We're going to go to break. When we get back, I'm going to play a conversation I had with Tom Chatel of the Omaha world. Harold, the Husker extra hour from yesterday. That's four to five on Sundays here at 93.7. The ticket really appreciate uh, Tom jumping on at four 30. Sam McEwen joins us at four. So Sunday afternoons, make sure uh, at least this next Sunday, I think it's going to be the last Husker extra hour show. Tune in to hear uh, Sam and Tom break down the game that Nebraska football just played, the positive, the negative, everything it means. But I I like Tom's conversation yesterday, so we're going to throw it to break. When we get back, you'll hear my conversation with Tom Chattel from the Husker Extra Hour yesterday. I'm Austin Norman. This is On the Block and 93.7 The Ticket.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.